Let me start today with the reading of the scripture. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old and with treasures in heaven that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, good morning, Crosswinds. Whether you're here in person or you're here today or online with us, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. And if we've not met, uh, my name is Ken. I'm the pastor here. I have the, the joy of, of shepherding Crosswinds during this season of, 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 of church. Um, uh, ultimately, our, our shepherd, though, is, is Jesus. He is the one who, who cares for us, and he is the one that leads us. And the mission of Crosswinds Church is helping every family discover God, his love, and his ways. And, and I want to thank you all because of your generosity to giving each week and our, our benevolence fund. We were able to help three families this week with some funds to help them to, to pay for their, their rent or hotel so they, they weren't on the street. And uh, that gave me the opportunity to talk to each of them about your goodness and your love and and that was by your grace and generosity. So I thank you for um, your generosity. And as Mike said, uh, you know, over the years, uh, we're a small congregation, but um, we're big in giving <laughs> in terms of needs of the community. And, and that is, is exciting. Um, we're in a series today called Anxiety Solved. And I've been sharing a series of messages through Luke 12. Um, I, I hope you're sharing those as well. Uh, with people on YouTube and on Facebook. I, I was at a party last night, and I talked to lots of people. And, and folks, there's a lot of anxious people out there. And they need to know about God's uh, love for them. Um, you know, many are initially anxious about coming into this building. They're scared of me. They're scared of you. They're scared of this place. Some people feel like the building's going to fall in on them. And, and so it's important to share the online messages because that might um, help Jesus solve uh, some of their uh, anxiety as he sows their, his grace into their heart and as they learn more about his love and ways. So um, that's a great tool that we have to offer. Uh, today's message is little but love. Um, and as I was looking at the scriptures, I, I saw some things this week that I've never seen before. Actually, as I was preaching last week, I said something, I read that first verse that I read, and I heard kind of a sigh, and and I, I just felt God speaking to me in that sign. He's been speaking to me all week in this. Um, and, and what it is, is and that word little. You know, I realized that I can become very anxious sometimes in my life when it seems like it's of little of importance, like that nothing I'm doing is important in any way. Um, uh, sometimes I can feel very discouraged when it, I, it seems like nothing big is going on in my life. And what I realized this week is I often measure my value based on doing something big. You know, my career in the entertainment business, um, I loved it, but I always felt I would be more successful if I would have a, a bigger and bigger audience. And I remember the first time I performed for uh, a thousand people, and uh, it was exciting to hear their laughter and their applause because uh, I did covet those things, but I didn't feel successful afterwards. Actually, 
afterwards in my hotel room, I was now alone and, and kind of worried and anxious about whether I could pull it off again and concerned that I would always be lonely. You know, another measure of I, I had success when I was a young man of 20, I remember thinking I would just have it made if someday I could make $1,000 a week in my performing business. And when that happened, you know what? I, I still didn't feel like a success. Actually, I, I, I didn't feel like a success when I had my first $10,000 week. I, I, I still felt like I needed to do something bigger. I needed to do something better to, to be more successful in life, to, to stop the anxious thoughts that I was just not enough. You know, I opened two other businesses, and then sometimes I would act like a big shot thinking, if other people saw me as successful, I, I would be. And, and this quest for more and more and bigger and bigger to feel successful was just not working in my life. I actually was becoming more and more anxious and, and more and more stressed because what I valued and measured my value by was all wrong. You know, I, I think we all can look to big things hoping to feel more successful in life. Especially in this American culture we live in, often the, the measure of success for us is a, a bigger paycheck, a, a bigger home, a, a bigger, more expensive car, a bigger promotion, a, a big title, a, a big family vacation, a big family for some, uh, maybe going to a big school, a big college. Some of us like to have a big following on social media, and others like to have a large customer base. We like to be part of big, important organizations, and, and, and many like to be part of big, important churches. You know, although as a pastor of mine posted the other day, you know, the mega church is great, but who's going to bury your mama? And um, that's a joke, but it, it's kind of true. And we were talking about that earlier, that in, in some of those settings, uh, unfortunately, people don't get the shepherding because it, it, of the, the, the way it is. And I was talking to some last night that were in that situation. Uh, I end up shepherding a lot of people from mega churches, actually. <laughs> um, uh, they call me. So uh, as Americans, we are conditioned in many ways to think that somehow bigger is better. And we, we tend to treasure the big things in life and ignore or maybe even despise the small things. Uh, many of us try to find our identity in being bigger and, and greater. And I believe there are many who feel anxious in their lives when they don't, when their lives don't seem very significant, when things don't seem very big to others. You know, as a pastor, one of the first questions I get from strangers is, how big is your church? You know, they never ask uh, what kind of good work is being done or are you doctrinally sound? It, it, it seems it's that size is what matters most. So often pastors that I meet and um, even members compare congregations by size and facility size and size of budget to a success, whether that's a ministry to get involved in or, or to be part of. This, this treasuring of size creates a competitive attitude instead of a, a cooperative one, which hurts the overall mission of Jesus' church. Little flock of crosswinds. I want you to know, you are doing great things that please our Father, that He treasures by loving each other, by growing more in love with Him, 
by showing love around the world. Do you realize from this little church, last year I had to do some statistics for our denomination, $40,000 was given away by our church to missions last year. $40,000 just went straight to international missions. I mean, from this, look around. It's not that big a room, right? That's the generosity of the people in this room. And, and, and praise God for that. From something little, something great came. You know, you guys have been faithful and proportional and sacrificial in your giving. You know, uh, every week, little children are taught here about Jesus from uh, Rihanna and Michelle and, and Tracy, uh, and they're cared for. Every week, youth are, are taught to grow with wisdom and stature. Every week, you faithfully express your love to Jesus in our worship services. And I, I hear about many gospel conversations that our members are having all over this area. Friends, your, your faithfulness is treasured by God. He finds great value in everything that you do because you do it because you love him. Crosswinds, you may be a smaller church than other churches, maybe than the, the big ones down the street, but you are really healthy right now, I see, and, and faithful. We've been larger before, but I, I've never seen more faithfulness and, and heart and uh, it's significant, you know. But sometimes we, this need to be bigger and significant has the potential for a lot of anxiety and stress for us. It, it, it can make us feel like we're not a value if, if we're not doing something big. And today in God's word, I want us to find peace for our anxious hearts in being little says this, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, to people who think that size matters, Jesus is telling us it does not. He says, fear not, little flock. You know, actually, in the Greek, little means tiny. Do you, do you realize in, in any culture throughout history of God's church, his true flock is actually tiny. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and uh, the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter, it, enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who who find it are few. You know, 75% of the people in the Midwest would say that they're Christians, according to the polls. But if you measure healthy engagement in church, discipleship habits, and you look at the same polls, it tells us that 96% of Chicagoland population is actually very far from God right now. Many are heading towards destruction. They're lost because they have no relationship with him. You know why? Because they're too busy chasing bigger things. Beloved, it's common for us as a people to, to seek our significance and making ourselves bigger and greater. It, it, it's common for us to chase our value in the wrong places like a, a big crowd. And here Jesus is saying to the little or the few to enter through the narrow gate 
and to seek our value in him. If everything needs to be bigger, shinier, and better for you to feel valuable in life, you will always be anxious about your value and about your significance. In this world, most of us um, are looking to feel chosen. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm confused on this. You know, we, 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 we feel like we want to be the chosen ones, those, those men and women, one of the great ones, which is almost always measured by the size of an audience or the, the market share or assets or big personality or big money. Our, our world system is one where we constantly have to prove our value. And Jesus tells us the opposite. He tells us, do not be anxious about your value here. He's saying, God forbid you would fear, little one, because your value in life does not come from you. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice it says, your Father, not my Father. You belong to God. He counts you, believer, as his very own. He paid an incredible price for you, a price for your life with his own son's life. Now, if God owns you, it, it makes you more valuable. Why? Because of his greatness. Think about it. If the president owned this same stool that I'm sitting on, it would be worth a lot more value than the stool that I'm sitting on because of his perceived greatness, wouldn't it? Um, God's greatness adds to your value if he owns you because you are his. And he is the one who is truly great. The word father is significant because until Jesus hit the scene, only the religious um, of that day talked about God being a father of the Hebrew nation. But now Jesus is saying much, much more. He is saying that God is a personal father to all who are disciples of him. It is to say that we have the same right to an intimate relationship with Jesus as him, that we are a kingdom of priests. We are a holy nation. We've been invited into a fellowship and the family of God, according to 1 John 1, uh, verses 1 through 3. We're, we're actually invited in the fellowship of, of the Godhead. Our, our value comes in our fellowship with God, not in how popular we are in this world. If we are a small and rejected people by the world, friends, that doesn't lower our value. We are valuable because of who the Father is. Now, God doesn't take you on reluctantly. He doesn't take you on because he had to, because he's God. Jesus says, it was our Father's good pleasure. That, that phrase in the Greek actually means God's good choice. Do you remember when they picked sides in gym class? How anxious that, that, that would make you because you never felt good to be the last kid picked? Maybe that never happened to you. It did to me. But, you know, when, it never felt good. The Bible says that you were chosen by God and by his son to be his son or daughter before the foundations of the world. You were picked first before you ever sinned. So your sin... Friends, does not even lower your value to God. 
He, he, he established a price before you sin. Your value, the price, was established as someone to die for. He, he gave you infinite value. God did not only choose the big and the significant of this world to give value to. Jesus said to his disciples, do not be afraid, little flock. There were nobodies. A ragtag group of people. Do not be afraid, little flock. The text says, it was God's good pleasure. It was meaning that it was based on his goodness, not your goodness. So don't get prideful that God chose you. Be grateful. Scripture says, but God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise, and God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Fear not, little flock. God did not pick you because you're always the greatest and the best at everything. He, choose, he chose to value you because he is the greatest and he is the best of everything. Jesus' uh, biological brother, James, said, Listen, my beloved brethren, God has not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. Or Listen to my, my brethren, um, God has not chosen, of the, chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and in heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him. What makes you great, what makes you significant, is not what you accomplish in life. What, what really makes you great and significant, friends, is that you were chosen by God to be his son or daughter. And beloved, you're, you're not a some poor stepchild just adopted into the family to support the family through your work. God has an inheritance for you. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, no, Jesus didn't say a kingdom. He says the kingdom. God does not have to give you anything, but in his goodness, he gives you everything. His kingdom is everything. Why, why are we fighting anxiously to be the king of our own hill when he has given us everything? Romans eight seventeen says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also be glorified with him. If we are weak and suffering in this life, and, and not big and great. Friends, that, that doesn't change our inheritance one bit. Jesus' son, or God's son, Jesus, suffered living an obscure life, an insignificant life in many ways by many people's accounts. He was not a big deal. He, he was not one of the big important players in, in Rome or in, in, in Jerusalem. His own people disowned him because... Jesus was in the way of their own perceived greatness. Friends, we should not fear being small and being insignificant in this world. We should not be anxious when things are not going well for Christians in our world. When it seems like we're losing the culture war, if it seems like we're losing economically, if it seems like we're losing politically, if it seems like we're losing 
reputation and our, our numbers and our, our congregations get smaller. None of this should make us anxious, little flock. Do not fear, for it's his Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of, uh, of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of uh, slavery um, to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That is to say, God's not only Father, that God is Daddy, Abba. Daddies love their children when they go through losses. You know, my, my son ran cross country in high school, and, and sometimes it was painful to flock. It, Jesus says it, it's in following me. That's where you're going to find peace. Out on the broad path, everyone right now is afraid to lose. So, so they're buying up everything and they're, they're storing up every success for themselves because they're afraid to lose because they're trusting their life into the stuff of this world. And friends, someday that will be a total loss because they've neglected investing in something permanent, in, in a sure thing, a heavenly father's inheritance, which gives them value. Jesus says, provide for yourself with money bags that do not grow old and with treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. No, notice Jesus is not talking about loss here. It's not, he's not talking from a perspective of loss. He's giving a strategy for us of how to win. The broad path of people will see a total loss when they leave this earth. Everything is gone. Wealth, joy, peace, happiness forever. But what did Paul say? He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, Paul was making the right investment in life. He allowed himself to become little in Christ so that he could receive more gain for all eternity. It's okay, friends, for us to be little in this world. You know, the disciples said that uh, John the Baptist, or Jesus said to the disciples that John the Baptist was the greatest born among women. But when John the Baptist met Jesus, he says, therefore, my joy is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. John 3.30. Friends, we need to be on our guard because our hearts naturally covet things of this creation which can make us forfeit his kingdom. Our giving, being generous to others is the antidote to our coveting. And coveting is where our real provision is lost. When we give to the needy, those who can't give back to us materially, that's what Jesus is talking about. We, we give to them freely, not, not trying to gain advantage in life for ourselves. Otherwise, Jesus would have said, hey, give a bribe to others who are wealthier so they can give you more. It's not what he said. Give to the needy. Beloved, we don't need to gain more in this life because we have a wealthy father and it's his good pleasure 
to give us the kingdom. There, there is no loss for us in giving away our wealth. And Jesus actually says that there are three benefits in making a heavenly investment. Your wealth will never lose its value. Earthly economies go up and down. An old money bag could be worth nothing if the government changes or if it fails. Our own dollar is considered great in the world standard, but it goes up and down in value. In the olden days, a hundred years ago, what was big money is almost nearly nothing today. And odds are, especially the way things are going, it'll be worth less in the future. Heavenly wealth will never fail like the currency of this earth does. If your wealth is being a, a big deal to be famous, the truth is we all get old. Our minds get old. No matter how clever we are, our ideas age out. The world is addicted to new. And when our relevance fails, we lose value to the eyes of the world. Those with great wealth of money and talent and intellect are constantly anxious, if you get to know them, about how they will preserve what they have, which is ultimately impossible. Number two, your wealth can never be stolen. See, all earthly wealth can be stolen. The wealthy of the world are constantly paranoid about who would steal either their money or their fame or their ideas. Even their daily lives can be limited by all the kind of security procedures that they have to go through just to protect it. And that still does not prevent them from seeing losses. Fame can be stolen. Ideas can be stolen. Even reputation can be stolen. Number three, your, your wealth will not decay. Clothing in the first century was something that people inherited because it was of great value. Today, is, our clothing is relatively cheap and it's consumable. And Jesus is saying whether it's cheap or worth a lot and could be inherited, a tiny little insect, a moth, can destroy it easily. All the effort you put into gaining it can be lost by little bugs. Just about everything that we purchase in our lives is already decaying. Most of it is already losing its value quickly. You know, the, the point is your kingdom riches can't be lost. They, they will never be stolen. They will never decay. So we invest in a better investment. Being charitable to others. Because people are what God treasures, not stuff. Settling and giving is making a wise and responsible investment into our eternity. Jesus says, give to the needy, which means those who need mercy. So I believe this means to both their material and spiritual needs. I, I believe Jesus is also talking here about giving our time, our money, and our influence, all of our treasure. You know, one of those things that we are tempted to hold on to for ourselves so that we can be a bigger deal and so others will treasure us. Being merciful is what God wants. He says, you know, that, that 
he requires mercy, not sacrifice. He wants mercy out of us most. Jesus is, and, and, and being merciful, friends, must include our presence as well as our money. You know, Jesus is arguably the richest, most important man in the universe of all history. And yet he who is rich became poor for our sake so that he could be with us. Jesus did not only spend time with those who could enhance his reputation, make him a bigger deal. Jesus spent time with lowly tax collectors, with fishermen and with prostitutes. He shared the riches of his presence in acceptance and in love and in patience to all who needed it and kindness. Some of the wealthy only sacrifice their money. It's, it's beneath them to give away their time. Friends, you can always get more money in life. Time is limited, and it is priceless in value. Spending it hugging an orphan could be better than sending money to an orphan. Your influence and wisdom are also valuable to the poor. Often the poor are poor because they have no influence against the oppression they face in life. If your status gives you influence, trade that in for their sake. Jesus calls his disciples friends. He, he uses his influence with the Father on our behalf. He intercedes for us. Being your friend could tarnish his reputation with other men. But him being your friend lifts you up, gives you value. Sometimes a broad path can be just paying professionals to do the ministry of your life so that you don't get dirty. Friends, today who can you befriend with a lower status than you? Maybe a child, maybe an addict, an orphan, a, a notorious sinner, or someone with a lower economic status, or maybe an immigrant, or, or someone marginalized in a racial group. Remember, in God's kingdom, you're going to share the same status, and they're going to be your brother and sister. Same status of being a little child dependent on our Heavenly Father who is good. So get to know them now. How about your talents? Can, can you sell them for the poor? Some of you are great teachers. Some of you are great with finances. Some of you are great with administration. Some of you are great with graphic arts. Some of you are great with social media and technology. Some of you are great in physical strength. How do you give the talents God has given you to your needy brothers and sisters? Or do you just sell those in the marketplace to make you great, to make you bigger, to buy a bigger house? We are to use all the treasure that God gives us for the benefit of his family and to, to grow his family across the world. Jesus says, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart be also. Beloved, if you, you treasure the things of this world, you'll be anxious because all the things of this world are temporary. Today, if you're anxious, you need to ask yourself, what are you treasuring? If you're not treasuring most, or if you are treasuring most, the love and affirmation of people, you're going to be a very anxious person because people are fickle. 
and what they love changes all the time. If you treasure most your success, you will be anxious, always fighting to be on top. If you treasure your kids most, you will be anxious because they're not designed to always treasure you most. They rebel and they go away. They're designed to, to move away from you and share the treasure that God gives them with the world. If you treasure your spouse or your significant others most, you will be anxious for they are sinners and sometimes their love will fail your expectations. If you treasure your career, your ministry, or your business the most, you will be anxious because your careers end. Businesses fail. And some ministries only exist for a certain season. If, if you treasure your family most, you will be anxious because they are temporary. They, they will not always be around. I once discipled a, a woman whose mother had died, and, and she was very anxious, and she was depressed for over a year after her mom died. And she told me her mom was the love of her life. And as her mom's caregiver for many years, her mom was also the purpose of her life. And, and so now her treasure was gone. And I told her about Jesus, and I told her she needed a new permanent love and a new permanent purpose in him, and that made a difference to her. And the depression and anxiety left because her, her treasure was in the wrong thing. Making Jesus what we treasure most will preserve us through our earthly losses until we receive our true inheritance. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Friends, what is your treasure in? Is it being a big deal in this life? Is it achieving significance in the world? Then you're going to be anxious. Anxiety is solved by making God your treasure. The Bible says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. It's okay to have other desires in your heart. Just recognize your anxiety comes from wanting temporal things and treasuring them most in our hearts. God's word says if we treasure him most, he will give us every desire of our hearts. For what is it that our good Father pleases to give us? What is it? Everything. Everything. The kingdom, himself, and everything that he owns, which is wonders upon wonders that we can't even imagine. To God, we must often look like children playing in the mud, satisfied in that, when he wants us to give us the wealth of the universe. All because we treasure most created things rather than our creator. Ask yourself honestly, what do I really treasure? And you will find out what's causing your anxious heart and how to solve it. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, he, he, he comforted his anxious disciples by saying, 
Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would not have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. See, they were anxious because they were treasuring temporal things in their hearts. They, they treasured their friendship with Jesus, the man. They, they treasured their status as disciples in their little group. They, they treasured their work that they were doing together. They treasured their reputation. They treasured the notion of Jesus finally restoring Israel to its greatness again and putting them in charge. And all those things are all temporal, and they would all change. And because of what they treasured, it made them anxious and afraid because Jesus told them they would soon be seeing losses. What did Jesus do to comfort them? He said, believe in me. Believe in my kingdom. Believe in God, my Father, who wants to give you more than you could ever imagine, a permanent kingdom that does not end. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. And in the Greek, that translates into many mansions, much more than a poor fisherman could ever imagine. And to solve their anxiety, they would have to believe or treasure the words of Jesus more than what they desired in this temporary world. They, they had to believe that they would be valued by the Father, that they would be welcomed into his house because of his Son. Jesus is reminding them of his Father's heart and what he treasures. What he treasures is his Son who came to calm their anxieties. And Jesus is going to the cross to, to die a horrible death at the hands of the religious authorities and the Romans and Jesus is facing the utter loss of everything temporal. His, his human dignity, his, his health, his, his friends, his earthly family, and all of his earthly goods, because they were gambled away at the foot of the cross by the soldiers. He, he would lose the love of the crowd. Everyone that cared for him would turn on him and mock him and, and curse him. Yet, Scripture doesn't say that Jesus was anxious. He was not anxious. Yes, he sweat blood in the garden, but not because he was anxious. I looked this up. The scripture said he was in anguish. He was in anguish. Why? Because on the cross, he would lose momentarily what he had treasured most throughout all ages, his connection with his good father. As our sin and our shame was placed upon him, he experienced the loss of what he treasured. For a, a moment, the father's love. It was the father's good pleasure to allow his son to die as a curse for us because of what the father treasures. You. And us. And he also treasures the glory of his son's love. Isaiah 53, 10 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. And he shall see his offspring, and he shall prolong his days. That word will in that sentence is the Hebrew word for pleasure. It is the pleasure of the Lord to crush his own son because it was the only way for him to save his treasure from the hands of sin, death, and the devil. Friends, 
if it was the Lord's good pleasure to crush his own son, is, is there anything else he would not give to us who are his children? Now, Jesus did this willingly. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You, the needy, were his joy. You were his pleasure. You are his treasure. Jesus proved the inheritance that God wants to give us. Three days later, God raised him from the dead and and seated him at, at his right hand. God raised Jesus to prove to the world that it was our Father's good pleasure by his grace to give us everything, the kingdom. Psalm 16, 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Today, friend, will you repent? Repent of loving your temporal treasures most, and thereby relieve your troubled heart by treasuring Jesus and his kingdom. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If your treasure is here on the things of this earth, you will be anxious and you will suffer the loss of everything. But if your treasure is in the kingdom of God, even in death, you will gain everything. Today, believe on Jesus, who by God's pleasure died to take away your sin and to take away all of your shame. He promised to give you an everlasting kingdom to solve your anxiety for all time. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we praise you. Lord, let us turn from the things right now that we see are so important and and turn to the thing that's most important, which is you. Let us find our grace. Let us find eternal life, life in you through your son, Jesus. Oh, Father, calm, anxious hearts today. Bring bring peace as they, they turn to what is most treasured in all the universe, Jesus. Oh, Father, do a mighty work. Things of this earth we can't take with. They, these things of this earth, they cannot solve our problems. You are all powerful. You are all loving. You are all good, and you can solve them. Draw people today to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Cast all of your anxieties upon him, and he will lift you up. We praise you, Jesus, that you have done it, that you are seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. And you tell us, a little flock, not to fear, but to look to you. We praise you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray.